Hey everyone, it's the Against the Grain Podcast. This is episode number 42 for February 21st, 2019. I'm Justin De Palma, and as always, I'm joined by Freddie Roman. Good afternoon. Guy Dunlap. How are you, man? And this week's special guest, Michael Hill. Hello. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for coming on the show. Well, not a problem. It's an honor. So, uh, who is Michael Hill? Yeah, who is Michael Hill? Why don't you tell Michael. us? Okay. Well, I'm a Michael Hill, or Mike Hill, <laughs> whatever you like. Um, I'm known as MH Woodworker on Instagram. Uh, I've been woodworking pretty much off and on for four decades, for over four decades. Um, I've been on active on Instagram the last few years. Uh, I post a lot of short videos or projects that I have going, showing the progression of the projects, um, or the build uh, videos showing some of the techniques involved in the progress. And, um, yes, and I mentioned off and on for four decades, so I think I'm older than Guy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you're 110? <laughs> Uh, no, only, only 61. Well, yeah, anyways, you are older yep. than I am. am I older than you? Yeah, I yes. think so. I think so, yeah. I, lo- I look older than you, though. <laughs> that whole road hard and put away wet thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so, uh, uh, yeah, I, I started woodworking. Uh, I'm a product of, uh, you know, the old school system where we had industrial arts classes. So I, yeah. high school shop, I had a instructor there that was, you know, a pretty big influence in me. You know, he encouraged me, you know, to work independently, independently, and to you know to try to excel. And uh, I had some industrial arts classes in college. Um, then after all that, I'd worked as a carpenter, a cabinet maker, a pattern maker. I worked in a mill workshop, and uh, you know that was uh, in the early '80s. And then, if maybe guy would remember, there was like a housing, there was a recession. Mm-hmm. And the housing industry kind of took a dump. Interest rates went real high. And, you know, being laid off uh, a few times, uh, I took like an about face. And uh, my wife, the nurse, uh, talked me into going to uh, respiratory therapy school. <laughs> so so that has been my day job ever since. And, you know, I've kind of flirted with the ideas of going into woodworking to Along the way, having like five kids has kind of pulled me back. The uh, need for a, a steady paycheck has uh, kind of kept me uh, in line with a, a day job. But I've done some commissions, you know, here and there along the way. But, uh, but it's pretty much remained a hobby for me. And, uh, you know, like I said, raising five kids and the job security involved has been a, a, a pretty big factor. And, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, and I can see... I can see, like, being involved in looking at uh, in the community and stuff. That woodwork is a tough way to make a living. You see woodworking shops or cabinet shops, like, come and go. Yes, I conservative by nature, so I opted for just security of that. So when I started on Instagram, it was just kind of, it just kind of started out as a, just a bit of a, a whim, just kind of thinking I wanted to build a brand for, like, when I retire. Mm-hmm. Go into the business a little, a little bit, supplement my income, and, uh, and that's when I really, uh, you know, uh, it's like people coming into your shop, or you inviting them into your shop. You're going into theirs and and uh, seeing all the work out there, and you're like, wow, you know, holy crap! Some of this stuff is pretty awesome. So I, I think it's uh, 
um, pushed me to turn up my game a little bit. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been following you for a long time and some of the work you're putting out is just tremendous. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Is there one thing that you initially did to just you just saw a huge bump on Instagram? Like, was there, I don't know, a certain picture or something that just like, whoa, what's going on here? Uh, well, believe it or not, like I said, I started posting just photos and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you get some looks and stuff. But I think what kind of bumped is like, I, I just kind of started to do a video of just some random <laughs> bit of work. I don't know if I was pounding yeah. on a chisel or cutting a square mortise or something. And, uh, and all Good of a sudden you... People love that. Uh, yeah. People, I was kind of perplexed by people. Uh, uh, you get more looks at, or from people like seeing you do just something we take for granted, like working a router or working a warranty machine, versus like the culmination of your work, like a finished piece of furniture. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, they like to see the action. So, so I've kind of gone more towards, uh, you know, the videos. Uh, aspect of it i will post some photos and stuff but mostly videos short videos you have as you know you have like 60 seconds to keep it under so that's so it's a bit of editing you know with uh i use uh you know iMovies to edit it down and uh and uh that's that's kind of the route i've gone here with this so try to i try to put it together yes go ahead also do you remember your first video uh I don't. I got like 600 postings, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I, I, I think I was, I, I can't remember if I was working on my uh, green and green chair. It may have been the rocking chair. And I was, I don't know if I was like chopping the square, like mortises for the little ebony plugs. And uh, I was like kind of surprised how many people were looking at this kind of stuff. So, and my son was, because I'm not a techie person, I'm an old man and uh and my son was like showing me how to do iMovies. And he said, yeah, dad, you know, people just like you see it pounding on a chisel and stuff. And it dawned on me, yeah, I guess uh, people like to see the the, the process. And uh, yeah, so I've kind of gone that way. Where I'll... So was your, was your son t- looking at it and telling you, hey, look at all these people watching it and you just had no clue? Or did you at least no, understand <laughs> no. liking and all that part worked? <laughs> oh, he kind of enlightened me on it. Because he's not, I mean, I certainly have tried to get them to do stuff, but it, it just, uh, woodworking hasn't taken off my kids. But just from his perspective, he's just saying, yeah, people just like to see this. Just speaking as like a, <laughs> how, someone how in the audience. When, how they go over with them when you had more followers than them? Than them? Oh, yeah. They're, they're kind of amazed that an old man has all these followers. Yeah. All their, their friends and everything else. So, yeah, they're, they're kind of, uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess, kind of amazed that I know what the hell I'm doing with it, I guess. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so are, are you amazed that you can actually make more of a, not amazed, but let me reword this sentence. Uh, isn't it unfortunate or aren't you amazed that you can't really make the same amount of money as you do as a normal job during the day? Yes. With your talent. Okay. Yeah. With, like, it's, as it's in, old, in furniture making, especially. Yes. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the old, uh, what's the old adage you're saying? The, the starving artist. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's why I've stuck with my day job. And, uh, 
Yeah, my plan is too. Uh, yeah, I do. I have some regrets. Yeah, wondering how things would be if I had mm-hmm. gone that route earlier on. But I think you know, just years go by, and uh, at this stage in my life, I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna. My plan is retire early, or have a guaranteed income, and uh, then I can pursue uh, woodworking as as the the way I want to do it, and not be dictated by commissions. I, I, yeah. I have more of an artist mindset where I just want to build what I want to build that challenges me. Some skills that I want to incorporate, say like inlays, marquetry, things that I want to do, not be mm-hmm. told how to do it, and then just put it out there. And I'll put it in either a gallery or have a virtual gallery. And if people like it, that's great. If they don't, that's fine. I I'm not desperate for the, the money. So and mm-hmm. I think that's the, the, the place I want to be you know, is to, like I said, mm-hmm. just uh, develop my skills. And that's kind of the direction I want to go into, like adding more, uh, getting better at marquetry, uh, inlays, incorporating that into pieces to kind of make them stand out and put them over the top you know, from the other. So that's, that's where I want to go with it. And to do that, yes, a, a steady income from mm-hmm. another source. I think I need that. So, you, you're a big fan of Nakashima and Green and Green and things like that, correct? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. 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 Is is there anyone else that you really admire that you haven't worked on yet? Uh, you know what i i I am amazed by uh, some of the reproductions of some of the people out there. The incredible work I see on Instagram, like uh, DW Furniture Makers. Or David mm-hmm. Bove, um, Frank Straza. I mean, it's not. I mean, work that I'm doing it, uh, but uh, I am. I would like to try it, like to see some of their their high boys or their secretaries. The the, it's just uh, mind boggling, and uh, to see the quality of work that goes into it. Will it fit into my house that style? No, but. Uh, be a bit eclectic after a little piece there but uh, hey it's uh, it's incredible work and and that's why i was saying before when you see some of this work on like instagram it kind of for me i i, I feel that like, hey it's making me more competitive and i want to put out better work mm-hmm. out there and uh you see what's out there like wow i gotta step it up here and uh, the last few years yeah I, i've tried to step it up um like i think for like i said i've been doing doing this for many years and I, I as a woodwork I felt I stayed in kind of a plateau where you you work inside that comfort zone of where you're not making mistakes and you get good and you get a little faster but then mm-hmm. just to kind of break away and I and as far as projects that uh, maybe uh, broke it open for me I'd say is um, I don't know if you follow like Eminem Wood Studio Matthew Morris he, he does green and green mm-hmm. stuff and mm-hmm. uh, I I did his uh, Gamble House rocking chair, and that was uh, a challenging project. Lots of skills involved, and uh, it's, uh, some relief carving, bent laminations, you know, um, some in- inlays in there with sterling silver and ebony. And uh, that project, that is my favorite. I have not uh, topped that thing. Yeah, a lot of work, a... a lot of challenge, and I, I just am such an advocate of people pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone to make you a better worker, more confident in, in what you can do. Because I'm certainly, I, like I have, that's one of my regrets was like staying inside my comfort zone for such a long time. And now it's kind of breaking out of it. 
and uh, mm -hmm. yes. I'm the same way regarding uh, commission work. I don't, I don't even bother looking at it anymore for furniture. Uh, it's just because the majority of that stuff I get in, if I get excited about it, basically half of them don't have the budget. And then the other half, it's like they have the aspects of being a great piece. And next thing you know, it's like, you want me to do what with it? And it's kind of like, yeah, I'm all set. So now it's mainly restoration or now that I'm going for my license, it's just housework. That's all my focus is. Mm -hmm. I, I, I agree with you a lot, Freddie, because I look at things like Philip Morley and his designs mm -hmm. and all that work that he does. Mm -hmm. And I get customers that come along and they ask you to design something. And I think, I, I, I don't know if I have the range to do something along that lines like he does, but my mindset is definitely stuck in a box that it's just like, all right, this is what they'll be able to afford. And I don't know if it's yeah. that it's what they'll afford or if it's, that's how broad my view is. I don't know mm -hmm. which it is. Part of me thinks it's both, but the, it, it, yeah, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough way to do it. And I think I, you're doing it right, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. A paycheck, a paycheck coming in in the end. And then you just make what you want. If you sell it, you sell it. Otherwise you end up with a house full of furniture like Freddie and I have. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, like I said, I flirted with the ideas and people have asked me to do things. And then you, you put in the, the, uh, well, the grunt work, uh, mm -hmm. making some plans and uh, coming up with a, uh, an estimate of the cost of materials, then trying to figure out what how much time you'd roughly spend on this dang thing. Then you come back with a price, and they're like, eh, eh, no, that's too much. That's, uh, that, and that's typical. But I think I've listened to Freddie before and say that you do have to get good enough to where you can, when you communicate with somebody that, right, from the start, you, you kind of know what it's going to cost and you can mm -hmm. throw them that price. And if they're interested, good, proceed on rather than putting in all that time and then getting a flat out. No. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, what, one of the things, you know, that Instagram, I don't, I don't call it a negative aspect, but when we do videos, like I'll do bowl turning, right. And, uh, You'll, you'll show a whole project from, not a, almost a whole project, from start to finish, and you'll do it in hyperlapse. And so some people may think that, hey, this guy, he can turn a ball in like, you know, well, he's doing it here in 60 seconds, but, you know, maybe it takes him like less than an hour. And like, mm -hmm. well, no, it, it actually takes, you know, takes me maybe four hours, you know, start to finish changing shocks and all this other stuff. And then and then they're like surprised when, you know, you want like, uh, I don't know, 90 or 100 bucks for a, you know, a bowl. But yeah. <laughs> this is taking, taking, uh, taking a little bit longer than what you see. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I wonder how much of that is what they see and then what they also go to a store and find mass produced as well. Yeah. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Because I think, that, I think a lot, that, a lot of it is that they, yeah, they, they, that, they have, they have a setting your level. They, they have a, a certain preset conception of how much furniture should cost because they're going mm -hmm. to a, you know, a discount, not, not even a big box store, but like a local store that has, you know, midline furniture, you know, like tables that are six, $700, things like mm -hmm. that. Not real high end, but not, stuff you find at uh walmart and they they just get this preconceived notion in their heads well i'll have somebody build this table for me and it'll only be you know seven eight hundred dollars and you come back with you know thousand plus mm -hmm. several thousand yeah and they're they're just their mind is blown they just they're not expecting that 
you know, the way I look at it, it is interesting is today on Instagram, I saw, I forgot the person's name. It was, it's, it's a mitered box with brass blinds and the sculpted lid. And, uh, it was beautiful figured what's material, but, uh, I look at it and it's $2,500 he wants for it. You know, I'm not going to argue that that's too expensive or not. I just don't think people out there appreciate it's a box 2,500, you know, the majority are not going to purchase that or majority will roll their eyes at it. Now there's that one or two client or one or two per percent that, you know, they find it beautiful and they find that spending $2,500 in a box, it's worth it. But the majority of people are not going to do that. I, that, that's the saddest part of the whole thing is you and I know what it takes to do that. And yet we're not willing to spend it, but that's, I mean, our whole careers are built around one or 2% mm -hmm. of the society. Right. So it's like, whatever it is what it is and it's it's a shame but it's the starving artist part of it but it is, it is the starving artist and it seems like a lot of uh, maybe the real talented woodworkers that you see that um with some of the pieces they make they've, they've gone to uh, it seems like doing articles and doing mm -hmm. uh, you know focusing Teach. on education promoting the craft that way because it's so hard to make a living doing this you know mm -hmm. What, what I found interesting is recent recently is a fine woodworking's article with uh, Mr. Thibodeau. In there, he says he doesn't bother teaching because it's too expensive to set up to teach all that's involved for mock-ups and everything else. And he also is a single family income. And he says, you know, the money actually isn't worth it to teach. It's just not. Yeah, I he falls into a special niche, though, I believe. Yeah, for sure, for sure. He's... he's uh, super high level and he seemingly right. has clients that are mm -hmm. way up there. well you know the the thing i also then compared to is like you know garrett hack in 2000 was my first working class and i assisted him probably a year and a half ago and the information is exactly the same so to talk about a man who basically has been repeating the same information now for 18 plus years and he still gets paid for it so i guess you can say that if you can do it that way that's very beneficial but most most people want something more challenging or or you have to find that niche that find people really appealing to the work you're doing mm -hmm. i mean is is garrett hack an example that does he make a living doing this half half his income is, is teaching? teaching half his income is teaching. yeah well there you go mm -hmm. yeah so and i believe he's got a spouse that has a very well-paying job too no she's an artist is she yeah okay full-time so okay. I'm sorry. This is pretty interesting. But they do yeah, live in Vermont. One, I think mm -hmm. that's one of the prerequisites to have a spouse that uh, probably has a income and uh, has insurance to health insurance to help uh, cover a the amen, amen to that. I could I couldn't <laughs> be doing what I'm doing if if my wife didn't have a full time job making a full, decent money. Full support, full support, absolutely. Credit to all those spouses out there that support mm -hmm. their. You know, their, and I hate that significant other. I hate that stereotype. You know, it's one of those things that lights a fire up on behind. I just don't. I understand the whole. It took me a while to realize furniture making is not it. But I think that if you find that certain aspect in the field, if it's just carpentry or or restoration or preservation carpentry or, or finishing or something. There's certain details that I think you can be very successful at it. Uh, it's just more of having to educate the clients and make them realize it. And location is key. You're not going to be in, 
you know, Oklahoma or, or Louisiana looking for high number, you know, pieces out there. But if you live near the bigger cities, then you can demand more. But again, your expenses are more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, Freddie, you would be probably, I would think you would be a hotter spot for those type of pieces being in Massachusetts. The problem with Massachusetts is that you got North Bennett Street School and the Furniture Institute of Massachusetts popping out 50 students a year, and each one of them are yes. like making Seymour pieces for $1.50 an hour, you know, because they just want to make <laughs> they want to make the piece. And uh, I was there, and it just quickly realized after two jobs, like, while this was an honor, it's totally the heck not worth it. Yeah. So, so. I think it all really depends on what you're what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, there there's people that that look at it the more artistic side and then there's people look at it at the, the more financial side yeah. and on the financial side and depending on where you are, you know, geographically as, as Michael was saying, you know, the, the, if you want to be a, a quote unquote furniture maker, you really have to find out what the market's going to bear for your pieces before you decide to, to, to go down that road. Or you can go down the road like what, what you're doing, Justin, which is, you know, like a lot of built-ins and cabinetry work and things like that. Not all of it. I know you do some some really yeah. cool stuff. Very eclectic stuff, yeah. Yeah, but you do, I, you do it, you also do a lot of cabinet work. And that, that I've considered that, but I, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. It's just, it's just like Michael, I, I think I can... I can do what I want to do or build what I want to build and uh, not really worry about it that much most mm-hmm. of the time. Have you guys uh, ever done like fireplace mantles? Like, yes. I, I worked in a mill workshop and uh, yeah, we did those and like you're expected to get like a full surround done in like eight hours. But you kind of look at that like, wow, you could really uh, embellish these things and really make it kind of like artsy looking mm-hmm. you know versus yeah, you know I, just doing like case, it, case work it, it is i i've been on both ends of that where when i did construction work and we would do trim work i would help my uncle do it and in the field it was a totally different setup than what i do here in my shop uh i mean the painting wasn't as good but in the end the paint job more or less showed it off Mm-hmm. but his he, we've done some pretty elaborate stuff and then i come into my shop and i've built them and they're made to be i don't want to say modular but they more or less just assemble on site whereas his is all built in it, yeah it, it, it's a different different animal altogether with very similar looks and they it, it's the sad thing is the average person doesn't recognize it but they just see something mm-hmm. is beautiful and it has just a lot of shadow lines more or less you could say right mm-hmm. i i i think the whole starving artist thing, we're talking about that. There's a lot of people that make a living at it. There's a lot of people that do it. I think it's a combination of being very good at it and being lucky, right? You you have to find your spot and then be able to fulfill that spot in the same sense. So it's it's a gamble. It's like anything else. And it is, there's people that are successful at it and people that aren't. And it's, it's just like anything. But yes. It definitely helps when you have a something in the background (laughs) (laughs) but i so yeah doing some of those pieces like that too i mean i you kind of i 
you set up price and all of a sudden, you know, it's taking longer and you're watching that uh, dollar per hour goal that you've set for yourself just kind of like mm-hmm. go down and down and down and down. And myself, I, I don't want to, I don't say cut corners or speed it up. So I, I'm more, my priority is to like, I want to be satisfied with the work, like it's mm-hmm. my own house. And uh, so, hey, whoever gets a piece from me, it's <laughs> it's a it's a pretty good uh, pretty good value. So, but uh, I don't want to be in that position anymore. So I just want to, like I said, I would do what I want to do and just put it out there. If it sells, great. If it doesn't, so be it. I'll just so you're someone else you're, you're making a like a you're making like a mid century modern media cabinet right now, right? Uh, it's it's a bedroom set. I did a an it's a bedroom. Set? bedroom well, I did a dresser and a chest for one of my daughters. See, my I have three daughters. I have five kids, so the three oldest are daughters, and uh, a couple of them are keeping me pretty busy. So, um, yeah, I did a dresser and chest. It's uh, Nakashima style, and uh, uh, tons of the the front edge uh, is it's live edge, and it's all hand cut dovetails. Uh, I used to have a lead jig, and uh, I kind of well. I was kind of wishing I had it back, but uh, <laughs> it was all hand-cut <laughs> dovetails. And for the other daughter, she wants a you know a bedroom set, also. So I use some of the same measurements, the parameters I'm working within the same, but the joiner is different. Um, I actually uh, got off my ass and finally bought a domino, and uh, it's a lot of domino joiners. Uh, these. Uh, mitered corners from the uh, the sides to the tops, uh, um, reinforced with dominoes. I think I asked Guy something about that too, yeah. uh, and I was about yeah. to commence that because that that joint's uh, kind of a bitch to get together. And we talked about what type of glue to use because you do need time. And and uh, you know, you, I threw in all these dominoes and I went with hide glue. And uh, even that, you know, I'm pushing the time. So what I did is. Just uh, I took out a heat gun and uh, I put if I couldn't get the gaps closed up, I'm yeah, I've got a, a clamp on there and I'm applying a little bit of pressure and I got the heat gun going and then you know it would just like pop free and tighten up. So it uh, thank God for uh, like hide glue something like that because I would have been screwed if I was using uh, yeah uh, my old tight bond. Yeah, those so, those, so, those those dominoes yeah. seize up pretty quickly once you put glue in them, man. They just. <laughs> Oh, you yeah. got you got about five so, minutes to mess with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So high glue is uh, has been kind of a go to uh, for assembling. It takes it really takes the stress out of it. it and and I did those those Nakashima chairs and uh, it, they got these big like saddle joints on them and uh, and with all that surface area, there's uh, a lot of friction if you have a because you need a pretty tight joint. Mm-hmm. Because the, the cantilever design, but uh, putting the hide glue on there, it just kind of lubes it up and it just slides right together without beating the crap out of it with a with a hammer trying to get it together. Yeah. It sets up so so yeah. So I'm working on uh, it's kind of a, a mid century modern style uh, dresser and chest, and I got to do a bed. I got to do nightstands. Uh, it goes on and on and on. So <laughs> that's uh, family. Uh, family for you so so how, how big is your shop my shop is in the basement i'm a subterranean guy and uh, my shop is oh about 14 wide and maybe 28 deep and then i have another section off that that's about 12 by 16 that i use for like lumber storage and 
you know, disorganized stuff, sharpening stuff and some jigs and stuff are back there. So yeah, my shop has been, uh, well, I started out in my parents' basement. And then when my wife and I bought a house, uh, first thing I did was like set up shop in the basement. I've been there ever since. And um, the only thing that's uh, is a drag is the uh, seven foot ceilings. No, so, yeah. Like when yeah. I've done wall units and stuff, mm-hmm. you can't stand up your piece. You got to keep it like flat and stage it flat. It takes up all the room. So, but. Uh, have you ever built a ship in a bottle down there? No, no, thank so God. You can't get something no, up the steps? No, 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 if I can't. That hap- that's, happen- that's happened to me when my basement shop. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I have not uh, done that yet. But uh, there is always that fear of when you're building something large, can you get it upstairs? But uh, I, I can I can still get it upstairs. But uh, yeah, in, in the bigger picture, yeah, I need to come up to ground level one of these years. And I, I do have a, a large... Uh, a, a carriage barn or garage with my old house. And it's about okay. 24 by 32, but there's no insulation, no heat. Um, I did recently uh, upgrade the uh, power to it. And I, I did run some radiant heat in the floor, although it's not hooked up. So if we were to move out there in the future, I, I, I would do that. So, so I do all my work in the basement uh, furniture building, but I did get into lathe turning, um, uh, maybe it's not even been two years. I, I've always had a lathe, but I, I should say I got into bowl turning. And if you guys have done turning, it's it's so damn messy. So I, I uh, stuck the lathe out in the garage, and uh, I have some a few tools out there. So I kind of like I have two two shops. Like bowl turning is like mm-hmm. uh, it's funny how I've been a woodworker so long, and I didn't turn a bowl up until a couple of years ago. Like, gosh, this is pretty cool. You can take a. Uh, a discarded piece of wood or almost like a chunk of firewood and you can make something outstanding out of it. And, uh, like you'll find stuff. Uh, I, I remember, I, I remember you wanted to try to send me one because <laughs> yes. I had mentioned, I, I don't like doing lathe work. Oh, you'll love it. You'll love turning bowls. Let me send you a bowl blank. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm okay. I, I did it. There is a big, yeah. big learning curve to, uh, to, uh, master a bowl gouge. And I'm still trying to get there. And the name of the game is to try mm-hmm. to, you, you obviously have to learn to sharpen it. And it's the orientation, the approach into the work as it curves around to, I mean, you could get it done, but the name of the game is to reduce the amount of sanding that you have to do after. So trying to achieve those cleaner cuts. Mm-hmm. And for me, a bowl turning has become like, like what I do is mostly obviously furniture and stuff, but these pieces that take. I don't say forever, but they're very long and tedious and drawn out, especially if you get into doing inlays. But like bowl turning, hey, you could take a chunk of wood, chuck it on the lathe, and, you know, in a few hours I can make a, a finished piece and sit there and look at it. So for me, it's it's been kind of like a break from doing furniture building to go, you know, turn something on the lathe. What's your favorite thing you've built so far, Mike? Oh, the, the Gamble House rocking chair, for sure, yeah. Okay. For sure, yeah. Is there anything you're looking forward to building that you haven't built? I want to build a a sideboard. It's a green and green sideboard. And I think Gary, Gary Rogowski did one similar to it, but um, mm-hmm. it's from the, I don't recall if it's from the Gamble House, but it's just a large sideboard and you're going to have, uh, it's going to be flanked by a couple um, doors that have inlay. The inlay sits somewhat proud of the surface. So 
That'll be a challenge. You know what you're talking about. Yeah. So that'll be a challenge. So that's that's kind of on my uh, bucket list here to do that piece, and maybe within a year <laughs> I can get to that guy. Didn't you have a piece that ended up in the uh, Fine Woodworking Readers Gallery at one yeah. time? Oh yes, uh, I did the. I'm mistaken. Uh, a green? No, no, I have the green and green desk. Uh, I'm sitting at it right now, my computer. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I submitted that, and uh, like. Wow, it got accepted. It was, it was pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting to know that uh, a piece you did was, was kind of out there, and uh, you know, a lot of people see it. So, Daryl Peart did something similar. He he did one. It's it's kind of, it's kind of what he did. Although it's it's a bit different. I've added uh, more inlays and stuff to it, and there's some differences to it. So, mm. so I'm curious to know why green and green. Why green and green? Um. Initially, when I looked at green and green, I it, I wasn't really blown away by it at all. It's I looked at it as kind of an acquired taste, and the more I looked at it, the more I started to appreciate the uh, details. Um, it's it's like it it for me it, it draws you to it to want to reach out and touch the uh, the inlays or the ebony splines, the plugs that sit proud. It kind of the uh, box jointed corners it, it just kind of draws you in and, uh, and it is a lot of uh handwork a lot of uh sanding to uh a lot of details and uh yeah the, like i said the more i've looked at it and worked with it the more i appreciate the style yeah i'd, I'd really like to make more green and green stuff unfortunately I'm, my wife doesn't like it so i've only been able to slip one piece in and it's it's in my office and that's Pretty much. I think that that's going to be my green and green piece, and that's going to be it. Mm-hmm. I'd, it I'd love to amazing. have more green and green stuff. It's amazing to think there's whole houses designed around that whole element. Yeah. And just uh, the, the amount of work that has to go into those houses is just insane. I think that's why there's so few of them, too, because of the amount of work. Even back then, <laughs> the cost and the amount of yeah. work back then, that's why there's so few of them. Yeah, absolutely. Like, see some of the trim work. Wow. You can you can say the same thing with federal furniture. It's the reason why there's not that much of it out there. So why you said you want to switch into uh, doing more inlay work and marquetry work? Uh, why is that? Just to kind of set your pieces apart. Um, and it's a bit of a. I look at it as a challenge. It's something I. I mean, I've done a little bit of, but I'd like to do more. I guess I get I get inspired by seeing some of the work of like Craig Thibodeau. You know, his use of a inlay marquetry. You see a piece of furniture and then you know you, you may see a, a branch going across the front of it and then some flowers coming off of it or some leaves or a bird. Uh it's it's very uh very beautiful. Yeah, very striking. So are any of your kids interested in woodworking? Uh <laughs> Well, I, I've had three of them doing some projects, but currently, no, no. I've exposed them to it and worked with them down there, especially when the boys were younger. But they they don't appear to have much of an interest now. But that's not to say that they may not later on in life. Right. You know, like for a, a lot of us uh, or a lot of people, you may gravitate towards woodworking or any other craft, have a hobby, whether it's painting, photography, you know, when you get out into a 
the working world, you have a career that may be not as fulfilling. Maybe you're just following protocols, policies, procedures, and you don't have that creativity. And um, it can be very, for me, very limiting. So it's, I, it's a great outlet. Right. And that's what I'm getting at. Uh, have a, an outlet that you can do something that's creative. You can do a project. You, you conceive of it. You make a plan. You carry it from start to finish. And you say, I, I built this. And there's very, maybe there's there are very few things I feel in life in the working world where you can actually do that. So I think it helps create that balance in, in our lives that uh, we can tap into some uh, of our creative uh, genetics or whatever, creative genes, I should say. It, 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 it's one of the few things you can have in your life that you can go back and see it and still have memories. Does that make sense? Yes. So in other words, you, you have memories or memories, right? Yes. And it's something you always have, mm-hmm. but this is something physical that it's in front of you. Yes. And you're like, there's a lot that comes out of that gratitude and, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like we were talking about, like, you know, doing something that we like outside of work um, to help us deal with like a job that's unfulfilling. Like I used to be into cycling and I know you're a cyclist too, Justin, but, uh, and I was for a while I was riding, you know, quite a bit. And, uh, but then at the end of the day, um, my kids didn't, or my wife, they don't give a crap if you can ride your bike, how fast, how far, or anything like that. They want some, like if you got a choice of building furniture, Wash they the want dishes. they want something like that 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 you, know, you can leave behind or as a legacy or stuff like that. So not that you know cycling that's great, and I still do it, but not nearly as much as I used to. For me, cycling is is almost like a a break. Uh, like if you're in the shop and you're 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 like stumbling on a problem, or you're you're making a lot of little mistakes. Yes. It's like hey, I got to get out of here. I got to clear my head. I'll hop on the bike and I, I do, I ride a road bike. So you're like just staring at the asphalt and you know, so you're not really, you could clear your mind. So I've gone out on my bike mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I, you start to solve some of these complex woodworking problems, joinery problems. Uh, you come back and Hey, I'm good to go. I've solved a lot of problems on the bike. You're right. Mm-hmm. Just clear your head. It, it, it's, it's, it's like one of those other things that, I've solved a lot of problems while sleeping. You just wake up and you're like, I know what I'm going to do now. Yes. And maybe that's yep. part of the same reason you were, your head was clear and then you just woke up and you're like, Oh, this is what I'll do. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, I'm, I'm really good. I'm really good at sleeping. Not so much riding a bike. <laughs> so absolutely. So I look at my, my, uh, nice Derosa road bike is a woodworking tool. That's how I look at it now. So. <laughs> Uses a it's got, it's right off. Got, it's got two wheels, like a bandsaw. So it's, it's good. And I do yeah. like my bandsaws. So yeah. So yeah, woodworking is it's it's a lot of uh, things, and um, you know it's 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 cool. Like Instagram, where it, it like I said, I, I was just a guy working obscurity in my basement, and I think the only people that knew what I was doing was obviously family and you know some relatives and neighbors. But uh, going on uh, like Instagram, it's kind of opened up that world, and you're invited into other woodworkers' worlds to see what's what's going on. It it, it kind of unlocks some of that mystery for other like non-workers to see what you really do down there you know, or out in your shop. And uh, I think it's, it's awesome getting into it. Like you can have an exchange of ideas. There's guys on the other side of the world that will look at your stuff and you can shoot stuff back and forth. Like uh, 
like, uh, like I don't know, Darren Oates, you know, and he's in Australia. You, know, you can mm-hmm. go back and forth. He, he puts out some phenomenal work there. And, uh, you know, you can, they'll ask you uh, problems or, or, or solutions to some of their problems. So you can exchange these things. You can show other, you know, people uh, what it takes to create a piece. You know, it, it helps inspire others. And it certainly has helped me uh, to up the game. And um, one of the things that I actually did, uh, you know, find out is how important a therapy it can be. I have a couple of Instagram friends, uh, MF Woodbutcher and uh, Pancova Collective, and uh, they're both veterans. And, um, you know, uh, like Matt Pancova, he was in Iraq and he was, uh, he was in a vehicle that was uh, hit with an improvised explosive device. And, uh, you know, he had a, a some issues with that and uh and he's put it out there on his instagram page and speaking to him also that you know woodworking hand to woodworking especially has been therapy for guys uh, with uh, post-traumatic stress uh, disorder and uh, you know helps treat uh, depression anxiety it's an outlet you know for recovery it's just a form of an activity that's uh creative you use your hands you know you can divert uh you know, away from those issues that uh, I think a lot of people have. And it doesn't have to be just that. It can be other issues that you have in your life, other other uh, stresses that may have occurred in your life. It's it's a therapy. And, and I think getting into, like, Instagram, you know, meeting some of these people through there, it's really, you know, opened my eyes a bit how important it is. And as more experienced woodworkers like ourselves – some of these people, they'll, they'll look to us for, um, if we can help them, you know, uh, along the way, because a lot of it, what we do is it's just technique, you know, perseverance too, and, and, and technique. And if you can share some stuff with them to uh, progress, uh, help people progress along, that, that's a, a huge, uh, huge contribution, I feel. Yeah, I, I think Instagram, as far as that goes, I mean, it's a direct connection with so many people out there and what you said about trying to figure something out. I mean, you can, I don't know how many of the, you know, quote unquote masters that I've, I've DM'd with just questions and they, these people answer you back. Oh yeah. It's kind yeah, of closed the gap. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it closed a huge gap for a lot of people. Right. Really people. Yeah, that, it's, it, it's, it's made, it's made the world, it's made the world much smaller. And uh, the access to information uh, a lot easier. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I, I really get a big kick out of, you know, like when I get questions, you know, when I get like you asking me a question, Michael, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, Hey, I can help this guy out. And it's just only takes a couple minutes of my day, but it it makes me feel good to know that I've helped somebody out there tackle a problem. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. uh, It's very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, some of the people that you, like, you just read about their, you may see them in articles, or they put out articles, and then you can actually contact them. And and people, even like like Freddie, Freddie himself, and uh, just listening to him enough, like, you know, I can tell, he's a super busy guy. And, like, for him to take out time to answer some of my gluing or finishing questions is just... It's mind-boggling. I feel sometimes I feel guilty, like I'm taking this guy's time a little bit, you know. But 
uh, he answers your is, questions. Yeah. He usually just tells me to Google it. <laughs> no, Freddie's answering your question, guys. Freddie is awesome. <laughs> just Google it. <laughs> hopefully, Freddie doesn't get bombarded, but he probably already does with uh, people after listening to this. So, you know, yes. the thing is, it, I, I I send out the bill and no one ever pays me. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you need to be a consultant. Yeah, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So, oh boy, that's another website we're getting now. Yeah, because I could, I could say back in the day, like, like you know, again, going back, like Guy and myself, back in the day before all the social media. I mean, what did we have? We had textbooks. We had maybe some VHS tapes. I don't recall being mm-hmm. some, you know, seeing so many seminars. We had like Workbench Magazine. Fine woodworking starting to come out. I think in the late, the late seventies. Mm-hmm. You Makes didn't so have all these resources. Now you can, yeah. woodworking is so much more accessible now than it was back then. Um, yeah, there was, can, there was a textbooks, there was fine woodworking magazine, there was wood magazine, and that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Plus the tools, just uh, you were buying, uh, well, you were going for like Sears, Sears Roebuck, Sears Craftsman yeah. tools is an entry level. If you wanted to step it up, uh, step up your game. Yeah, you, you were buying uh you know, Powermatic or Delta made in Tennessee, you know, made in USA Mm -hmm. stuff. And it was, it was pricey. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so accessibility of tools, like now you can, uh, they have so many Asian imports and the price of tools have been really driven down. Um, But uh, yeah, many years ago too, I mean, I bought my Inca tools. (laughs) The Mm -hmm. table saw was a gift for my wife. You know, bless her heart. She, uh, I was, I went to a woodworking show and I saw a gentleman demonstrating these Inca tools. And there, if you look over old issues of fine work, and you see ads for them. So it's kind of like they were kind of like the festival of the 1980s. That's yes. <laughs> the best way to describe them. Explain these to me, because I, I, I know nothing about them. I just see them and I'm like, they, what are those? Those are great tools. Okay, well, they, yeah, they're. Um, Swiss made, and uh, there, there's no like cast iron in them. It's all like precision Stand- cast or extruded uh, aluminum. So they're very, yeah. they're very lightweight. They're very precise. Like there is like zero slap in the miter gauge slots. Um, the table saw, it's got a, a 20 millimeter arbor. It's fixed, so um, you can add a. a horizontal boring jig or a mortising machine on the off the side of it the downside of it is the table tilts you know so if you're doing uh, bevel cuts but for me that's not an issue i think the the biggest uh drawback to them is, is just their size they're they're made just for if you're a furniture maker or an instrument maker it's perfect because they don't mm-hmm. have a large footprint they're very precise for that type of work and um but if, yeah if you're you're cutting sheet goods forget it's dangerous forget about it yeah it's, it's, <laughs> it's not gonna work so I, I have three of them so it goes way back to me uh wow buying those and those, those guys were pricey back then and you can't find them now they stopped producing them for i i, I don't know what reason but uh, so you've got the table saw the band saw and what else and uh joiner planer oh joiner planer yeah, it's like a okay. ten inch wide uh, joiner. I, I don't use it in planer mode anymore. The the switch over, I I didn't really care for it, and uh, I've got a couple other thickness planers, so I just use it as a joiner, a wide joiner. So yeah, it's it's all it's got the the Tursa knives, so you just tap on the you tap on the knife and uh, it pops, it slides right out, and you slide another in. It's the quickest change that you would yeah. do. 
That was your first video, by the way. Was it? Was it? You see, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, that tap was. on it with a little hammer and slides out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the only place you can find those guys is on uh, probably Craigslist. So. Totally. I, I almost bought every single time I see one. I almost feel like buying one because they're great for a restoration shop because they're oh, lightweight yeah. and they're great for even onsite work because they're so lightweight. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. That, like mine, I just keep it. It's got like I put furniture glides under it. So I slide it in and out as I use it. Uh, mm-hmm. So I keep it out of the way. So, yeah. So I run two table saws in my shop. I have the, the Unisaw. That I'll use mostly. I mean, I got the dust collection hooked up to it, so it's it's convenient. And if I'm doing some other work, yeah, I'll pull out the Inca saw and, and run him. And if for some reason, I, I don't know, whatever is in my future, if I have to really downsize to like a single car garage or something like that, you know, hey, the Inca saw is, is ready to go. And, uh, you know, that Inca table saw, like, you know, when I... Uh, pass on and I get cremated, maybe I should have the saw melted down with me. (laughs) It's, it's, I'm never, never parting with it. So yeah, I love that saw. Michael, if you ever see a sliding table saw from, um, what's that company in Germany? Um, Omia, Omia sliding table saw. Oma. Yes. I I badly want one. I've been looking for one for years. Mm -hmm. I haven't been able to. Yeah. The Incas, they had it. They had a slider attachment for the Inca table saw too. Yes, my my friend who's a guitar maker locally, he has all all the Inca tools with all the accessories. It's it's unbelievable. Wow, it's pretty it's, pretty amazing. It's, I, I wonder, I wonder what it would even cost today. To, yeah, to, I have no to clue. Build to maybe that's one of the reasons they went uh, stop producing them. Well, you know, but I first are... started seeing them when with Krenoff. James Krenoff had them mm-hmm. in his. Books oh, okay. or at at the school, and that's where I first started seeing mm-hmm. them. Yeah, I, I did a class with Jeff Miller, mm-hmm. hand tool work, and he still he still has his Inca Inca yeah. planers, and uh, I think he has a table saw, or he has the bandsaw. So yeah, it's it's uh, like I said, it's it's I look at it as kind of the festival of the '80s. You know, they were mm. somewhat popular, and uh, it's almost like a a, a cult like following. <laughs> Of us Inca owners, you know, that uh, still have them. How hard is it to get blades for that joiner, or is it? Oh, it's 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 not a problem. The their Tursa, the company still they make knives for other machines and stuff. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I've had heard of them. I've okay. just oh, that's Google right. it, and they're not terribly expensive. The, the 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 table saw, it's twenty millimeter arbor, and uh, I mean, you can have a company. I think Forest they board it out for me, but you can put Festool blades in the thing. I haven't done yeah, that, but I'm told you can do that. And, and it's, and I, I just recently, within the last year, I had some issues with uh, the arbor, like on my Unisaw, replacing the bearings and all that. And wow, you look at the the flange and the, uh, I mean, the five eighths arbor and this little puny ass nut. And then I go over to the Ica, and it's like it's this big honking, beefy, uh, you know, arbor and the nut and the, the flange. And it's like, shoot, no wonder this thing cuts. Uh, so much better than, uh, than my uh, Unisaw. So, so Michael, I think I accidentally cut myself off earlier, so I apologize. Um, I was going to ask you, what what effects do you think Instagram has had for the woodworking community? Well, it's just exposure. Um, exposure of others. Uh, you can see what kind of work is going in another shop. You're inviting people into your shop. Um, it's, you don't, you can you exchange don't see any... the exchange of ideas. 
exchange of ideas, exchange of methods, techniques. It's, uh, so does it, do you see anything that makes it appear that certain individuals or certain communities start, their head gets so big that they can't fit into the, into the shop? You know, do you get that <laughs> concern once in a while or do you see any of that? Uh, I sense a rant coming on. Oh, no, no. This is, this is one of those things. This is one of those things that I'm just curious about. You know, I hear it all the time that people, I get DMs constantly from people saying, can you believe this such and such person just said that? Or look at, look at this uh, back and forth these guys are going into right now. So it's, and I feel that sometimes, um, some the, drama. the drama's there and people people are I constantly want to share, but then there's certain people who say, well, you know, that's the same information that's being shared for the last two years. So yeah, at the same time, there's more and more people coming into Instagram or coming into woodworking. So it's kind of like Fine Woodworking Magazine. You know, sometimes I say to myself, if I see another damn dovetail article, I'm going to scream. At the same time, you know, there's new people coming into work, woodworking, and that's how you keep people entertained or attracted uh, to the exactly craft. Exactly right. Yeah, that, that- that that's it, Freddie. That's it, Freddie. I mean, there's so many people. There's so many people coming in all the time. I mean, the the, the stuff I'm doing is like totally vanilla, ninety nine percent of the time. But there are people that I just show a simple operation. You know, I I, I I posted a video the other day of just flushing up a face frame to a cabinet side. Mm-hmm. There's people that had never seen that before. Wow, you can I, do that. With a, I'm like, yep. I love vanilla too. Like it's the easy. prime example of that whole example is the guys that make cutting boards have all the followers. I hate to say that, but it's just because that's true. There's, there's a bigger mass that looks at that and can relate, relate to it. than I don't know, uh, Freddie restoring something. Right. But it's just, that's, it's, it's easier for them to understand it and take it in and then just see the beauty in it. Whereas we're showing bits and pieces of, a chair getting made or, or yeah, table you're, leg, right? You're, you're showing, understand yeah, you're showing bits and pieces, Damn. like you said, of, of stuff that they will never make. Yep. So the the cutting boards and smart, yeah, they're they're more attainable. And yes, you know, that's they, that's they, the secret to that's the secret to YouTube to make really easy, simple, attainable things that other woodworkers can make. And you do that, and you'll do really well on YouTube. You do the same thing on Instagram. Yeah. Right. That's made some chopsticks the other day. What was that? I made some chopsticks the other day and people loved it. So that that is true, what you guys were saying, that people can relate to it better because they can go down to their local Home Depot and, you know, get some uh, construction lumber and and, uh, some Ryobi tools and crank out that farmhouse table it's more attainable and where they may be put off by you know someone building a, a chair or something like that you know they'll look at it briefly be like hey they'll be dismissive i i know i can never do that i'm not even gonna look at that you know and, and that's um, that's in a way that's unfortunate because i, I just you hear so many people say i can't do that but you know damn if you you try you don't know what kind of hidden talent you have and uh if you persevere, yeah, the first thing you make is going to look like crap. But if mm-hmm. you can sit back and critique it and say, hey, you know, I can do this a little bit better next time. So it's that perseverance, you know, stay with it. Totally. And then you will, will progress because everything we did make the first time, all of us look like crap. Oh, my so God. Yeah. It's just it's just staying with it, staying with it. So we're all most, a lot of people, I, I would say most all of us are capable. It's just a matter of giving yourself a chance and going with it. 
you know, I totally agree. It's like when I go visit my first table I ever made, and my mom still has it in her in the in the living room. I just want to throw it in the, in the fireplace. It's like, Lord, why? Why yeah, do you? I still have I, st- I still have my first side table I ever made, and it's oh god, it's coming apart. But it's like I'm not getting rid of this. <laughs> oh no, I, I'm happy. I should, I'm happy to get rid of it. To. I'm happy to get rid of it. The thing is, and it's true. It's one we we only get to see these masters producing such quality work because they're at that level. Now, this is how we're seeing them. But it's mm-hmm. like, when I go to Phil's house, my mentor, one of my mentors, it's like, I see his first ball and claw feet and they're in his living room. There are two, two wing wing chairs. They are so bad. And I, and I, and he says, they're bad. Aren't they Fred? I was like, yep. And I was like, I'm shocked you put them on. He's like, you've got to start somewhere. It's, it's just gotta. Yeah. It's, and you need to remember. Yes, where exactly. And stay exactly. humble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 100%. Exactly. So. Because, you know, honestly, besides the cutting boards, you know, um, you show people how to cope a molding or, or a kitchen, and it's just like drool is coming through the feed. And it's kind of like, it's just another kitchen, and it's another cope molding. You know, it's just like, mm-hmm. and yet, if you if it mattered to you and followers matter to you, then every day you're going to be showing a kitchen, you're going to be coping another miter. But, you know, there's people out there, and, I, and and this is how I try to approach Instagram. I You can take all the numbers away. I don't care. That's not why I do any of this. It's more I try to share information, and I've helped a ton of people. Like, I feel to the point that I get arguments by my other half because I'm on, constantly helping other people. It's like you worked all day, and now you're helping other people. And it's kind of like I understand where they are currently, you know, the struggle of sharpening the scraper or hand cutting dovetails. Like Ed and I have talked about dovetails and, and his stresses about dovetails. I was like, dude, the first thousand are the most difficult. After that, you'd be like, this is so boring. It's just, it's sawing lines like at an angle, who cares? So I think it's just like, if you just get that mentality and tell people and show people support, then um, everyone becomes very successful and very happy. And that's the goal enjoying what you're doing exactly positive rant positive rant oh my goodness put that in the record books wow. <laughs> i was gonna say that's that that's unusual the first one of the year don't get used to it yeah i like the other ones so, uh, any any goals in teaching, or I see, I, I swear, I saw you teach in some videos before. Uh, anything considering teaching more for the community? What's your goals here next? Retirement's right around the corner. I feel it. I can smell it for you. I'm jealous. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Any goals? Um, yeah, we'll see where it leads to. I, I have talked about like getting into YouTube, but I, I want to be able to devote time to it rather than mm-hmm. pulling the trigger on it now while I'm still working because we have to invest time in it and then also defining what I'm going to do. I mean, my challenge too, like just doing Instagram, um, there's so many non-woodworkers, they want to watch it for entertainment. So I, I feel like it has to be kind of fast and furious. And also, if you can edit your video down to the point where people can still see that are interested in woodworking, that are woodworkers can actually figure out what you're doing. If you can actually teach them along with entertaining the masses with the action. So I may, uh, I may try to point. go that route with it. Uh, 
Yeah, you, like- YouTube is a really weird thing, man. I mean, if you go the route of trying to teach people, yes. like I do, mm-hmm. you're 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 shutting yourself off to the larger demographic of people out right. there that are watching right. woodworking videos. They they want to see just something have a, fast. Yes. Yeah, they just want to see a five minute boom 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 see what i made video mm-hmm. and they have to be they have to be pretty simple projects to, to be successful if if you're concerned about the numbers i was wow. never concerned about the numbers so mm-hmm. i still just produce what i produce and if you like it fine if you don't don't care mm-hmm. it's not a big deal to me mm-hmm. so but it yeah. does you're right it does it takes a ton of extra time I mean, you're talking three to four times the amount of time it normally takes you to do something. Mm-hmm. It's it's brutal. That's brutal. Exactly. So <laughs> I, for me, I, that I damn camera. Uh. Kind of a balancing act between instruction and uh, entertainment for the non woodworker. So they can try to, you know, get that done. That's uh, that's kind of the current track that I'm on. So yeah. So. Possibly YouTube in the future. We'll, we'll see. We'll see where it all goes. So you just have, are you just waiting for one more year to pass? So you hit that magic number for your social security or there's another number for your job? Uh, something like that. Goes. I probably can't say because I might have some coworkers listening to my <laughs> podcast here. Okay. So somewhere, somewhere in that neighborhood, it, it's not, it's not too far off. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we hit those, hit those goals and, uh, We'll see where it leads to us. Leads us that to. that just means, guy, you're you're gonna have more YouTube competition there soon. <laughs> maybe oh, that's, not. That's, maybe that's, not. That's fine. Uh, that's fine, man. That's maybe fine. not. I, I, do it, Mike. You know, We're out of business. Oh no, no, no. Uh, there, there, there is there is no business to it. But like I said, the, the more people that the more people that get out there and create interest in the craft, the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. You know, especially somebody like like you, Michael. That's you know a very very talented woodworker. Showing other people how to up their game is, you know, sorely needed in the YouTube community mm-hmm. because most of the I I, I I'll get I'm, I want to throw I think the term is throw shade at people. I don't think I want to do that. So there there's a lot of stuff out there that's I I just scratch my head and wonder how how the hell they got that many followers because it's mm-hmm. just crap they're, they're it's just making crap they're good at marketing yeah no it's true at the same time you know it's like i almost feel like going back to when i was in high school or just starting to get into woodworking being able to drill a hole clean and and uh and put finish on it and actually look good was was a proud moment but at the same time it's just like you know people put people put that on a new plateau or, or a new level they give them some mm-hmm. status so it's kind of not that it matters to me because, you know, who cares? But I find it very interesting. Yeah, yeah they're just good at marketing. They're a lot of, they may be into the analytics of it all. And uh, mm-hmm. they just, they know how to work it. And and, act, and in the end, they get more eyeballs on it. They get, yeah. they get the, uh, I don't know, tool sponsorships or whatever. You know, you know, I guess <laughs> they're, mm-hmm. yeah, God bless them. They, they know how to make it work, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I have some more more power to them, but I've, it's just I, I, it just amazes me to see yeah. stuff like. Oh that. yeah, absolutely, and, and that was yeah. that uh, was what uh, was perplexing to me when I first started looking at uh, or got onto Instagram 
It's, um, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I don't even, I don't have any analytics or anything. Basically, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll shoot the videos and, uh, and at the end of the night before I go to bed, I'll be laying in bed. And I do it all up with an iPhone 10. And I sit there and I, I, I edit it down on iMovies and I'll, you know, post it in the morning. And, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I've used to like post, try to post every day, listening to some of the, you know, experts, you know, talk about that. No, I just like, uh, I'll post when I've got some interesting material. I just want to, I don't want to post for the sake of posting. So I, yeah, you know, it might be every other day. It might be a little bit longer now. I, I don't yeah. really you want care. to control it. You don't want it controlling you. Honestly, Correct. you know what I've been, I, I've been doing more ads on on social media than I actually try to do posting anymore. Like, it's just like I don't see the concept too much to post. Like you said, unless it's something really intriguing or someone asking me a question or multiple mm-hmm. people asking me a question. I was like, well, it's easier just to go ahead and discuss it in a story or or mm-hmm. i i've been highlighting other people's observations or or things that appeal to me in a story just to spread a, different account names out there and let people you know hopefully develop their eye to seeing what something so beautiful can be captured in an image oh yeah mm-hmm. when you take a take a picture like i know you post a lot of photos of old houses like yeah, yeah I love them. a lot of us are like that like i, I posted a picture i was at uh mount vernon at uh George Washington's estate. It was just a dovetail joint up on like a, a corner on a, on a overhang of a roof. And it was a dovetail joint. The paint was all peeling and stuff. But, you know, it, it, it got a few looks. But uh, th- that's, I was just trying to convey, that's how we are. We, we look at details. At least, you know, you go to these places, you're the kind of person that you're, if you're in a museum, you're down there looking under the table, you know, looking at the details of things so just trying to <laughs> kind of convey Everywhere. that I mean, you I go, to, go to dinner you go to dinner anywhere and i'm looking around and touching things and my wife's like oh yeah. boy <laughs> and it doesn't matter what it is right but it's Ex- just you, you look at it it's just our it, nature i think exactly you're looking at all these architectural details uh mm-hmm. it's just our nature exactly that's what i was trying to convey i mean as someone saying oh you need to peel off that paint and oh, it's not mine it's mom <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. no it's <laughs> missing yeah, the point. It's true. <laughs> how dare you paint that wall that color it's mount vernon it's not mine <laughs> lord have mercy so you know the other thing i find interesting about instagram when you talk about pictures and everything else Pictures really do tell a lot of stories, and some and it's like what I say when people pictures and lighting. Yeah, when <laughs> I, like I tell people jokingly, it's like you know you pay for a museum quality piece, and be like, oh, this is a museum quality piece. It's like yes, from six feet away, it looks perfect. You know, yeah. it's just kind of the same thing with pictures. It's just like it looks beautiful, and there's plenty of stuff out there that I know if I was a foot away, it's like ooh, what just happened? But you know, in the end, sometimes it doesn't matter. It's all about the overall, the, the, the usage and the way it looks and the way it functions versus, you know, how perfect everything is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, function. You mentioned that that's very much true. Like these uh, Nakashima pieces that I did yeah. from the distance. Yeah. Well, even close up, you look at the dovetails, close up, close up, mm-hmm. but the drawers, like I kind of agonized over, do I make traditional drawers with like wooden glides? No, I, I went with, uh, Boom sliders, undermount sliders, mm-hmm. because it was going to be used. This piece was going to be used uh, by a family in a home, in a real situation. 
Yes. So I opted for the the undermounts, and uh, they, I don't have to worry about uh, those things binding up or anything. Yeah, and totally. you know what? It, off into the future, a hundred years into the future, say if someone else owns it and they want to put in wooden glides, they can do that with those existing drawers. Mm-hmm. Not a problem. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's it's, it's a balance of uh, function over uh, being you know, historically accurate. So depending on the application. So yeah. So, is there recently a tool purchase that has changed your woodworking like? feeling in the shop that it's like, why did I wait so long? Uh, this is the best tool I've purchased this month or something. Mm-hmm. Well, of recent, it's probably the, the Domino 500. Um, I really had no debate mm-hmm. as to which one to buy the 500 versus the 700. I mean, the 700, the way I look at it, Hey, if you're building doors and gates, that's the machine to have. But to me, mm-hmm. uh, picking that thing up, it seemed like it's too heavy and bulky. And uh, yeah, that thing mm-hmm. for like panel glue ups, because I'm pretty good at panel glue ups, but yeah, you, you beat the shit out of the thing trying to get the boards to line up and stuff. I have a method, but that thing versus like a biscuit joiner, if you're using it to line up boards, like, wow, it's right on. And I'm saving my time with uh, scraping, planing, sanding uh, right off the get go and just reinforcing joinery. You know, mm-hmm. but do I think that it'll replace all my joinery? You know, hell no. It's just I bought it because the current piece that I'm working on is large, so it's it's a mortise machine that I can bring to the piece. Other than that, yeah, yeah. I've got my Inca mortiser, I've got a hollow chisel mortiser, I could use a router. I've got other methods, but it's just uh, uh, something I can bring to a large piece, uh, you know, to uh, cut those mortises. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a very mm-hmm. handy tool to have. It is it is awesome. But... It truly is. I got I got rid of my mortiser because of it. I can't do that, Freddie. No. Well, you know, I, I'm... No, it, it's it, they both have their place for yeah, me. Yeah, of course. But... You know, I still have a router to do. I use a router for mortising if a domino can't handle it. But I just felt that I didn't use my mortiser enough to justify it using up as much floor space. Because of course, I bought this old huge honker. You know, and it took up so much space. I I will agree with you there. I have a bench top. Mm-hmm. I'd like the bigger one. Mm-hmm. But it, it, in that point, I really, really can't justify spending the money on a bigger mm-hmm. one. Because of the domino takes up the other half mm-hmm. of what that thing used to do now. Yeah, so. especially with the... Yeah, but go, go ahead, I'm sorry. going back to the whole therapeutic thing, I mean... I have a, a domino and I use it quite a bit, but there are times when I just want to slow down. I want to make mortise and tenons. Yeah, exactly. That's just because I, I want to. That's how I feel. And, exactly. uh, you know, but I do have a mortising machine, so that makes life a little bit easier, but still it's, it's a skill. And just like anything else, you have to practice it. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the domino, I see a lot of, a lot of guys that can't make mortise and tenon joints period. Yeah. Correct. But they can right. use, but I, they I, can use a domino. I think it's I think that's backwards. Yes, you need and that, to that's make one of the things joint first. That's one of the things I observed on uh, you know, whether it's YouTube or Instagram is uh, the domino, the domino in the hands of uh, a new woodworker. Yeah, you're you're kind of bypassing all those other skills that are gonna benefit you that will carry over into future projects. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you need to really uh, master uh, a master, but uh, basics use yeah. hand tools, yes, know how to sharpen, use hand tools, and the domino can kind of enable you to skip those steps. But at some point, if you want to really progress, you've got to 
have those hand tool skills down, you got to know, and we all know, you got to know how to sharpen. That's where it all starts, too. And, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's the downside of a domino. But uh, other than that, yeah, hey, if you're trying to make money or trying to speed, hey, <laughs> yeah, that's that's it's the way to go. Yeah. I mean, if Absolutely. you're hungry, Domino's is great. I, <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about Domino's right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Domino's. You're desperate, Freddie. You're eating that. Yeah. 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 You're desperate. That's what I was thinking. Like, <laughs> he's desperate. <laughs> you got to make your own pizza. You got to take time to do that. Yeah. No time, man. Here I can get a. That's where it's I can at. get a three-topping large pizza for eight ninety-nine. <laughs> oh, I can't even get to. That's. I can go to Freddy. IKEA and get a cabinet really cheap too, Freddie. Look at it that <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, I get. I get three meals out of the Domino's pizza. Come on now, for eight uh, bucks. You can right, get three you, meals get, out of a single pizza. Yeah. You know, two wow. two two to three slices <laughs> per meal. Yeah. I used to eat a oh, whole I'm pizza in one that. setting. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll eat half that thing in a setting. Yeah, I used to eat yeah. the whole thing in one setting, but not anymore. So, um, well, what, what about you guys? You... Just like Michael, I make my own pizza. <laughs> That's what I do too. That's I've gone. It's like so, a, it's like a craft, and uh, I, yeah. I will I will credit uh, Mark Spagnola with that because years ago he did this. He was making these pizza peels, right, on his uh, mm -hmm. YouTube uh, mm -hmm. channel. And then he started, you know, he showed how to, they make a pizza and stuff. It's New Jersey style pizza, I guess, or New Jersey mm -hmm. style to, a tomato pie, I think he called it. Yeah. And like I watched that. New York like, style, yeah. I like, hey, shit, I want to wanna do that. Nice, you know, it kind of set the fire of me doing that. And uh, yeah, it's it's a kind of a craft that you progress along with and you get better at it. And then, hey, you won't touch a Domino pizza, buddy. So yeah, you, you got to take you got to take time. You got to have time in your life to uh, pursue such things. Frank Pepe's, Frank Pepe's. Absolutely. So I, I have a friend that used to have a pizza shop and he showed me how to make it. And it was amazing, right? Once you had a regular mm -hmm. margarita pizza. Uh -huh. And then the other thing was, uh, I go to my favorite pizza shop and I just buy dough. Yeah. So that way you don't have to make it. You just stretch the dough and then you put your toppings on yeah. that way at home. You know, I mean, my fair share so. pizza, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, I do the whole thing from from scratch. And uh, Yeah, I made pizza peels. Speaking of woodworking too, um, like my old uh, quarter-inch plywood. <laughs> quarter-inch, the, the, the stuff that you throw out, you know, those odd pieces. I'll make a yeah. bunch of pizza mm -hmm. peels out of them and give them away. <laughs> So well, I, that's a good idea. I, I well, make use of that stuff. So, before before I forget, sadly, this week is the last week, or this past mm -hmm. week was the last week for Wood Talk with Mark, and uh, I'm I'm like pissed off about it because he in that Wood Talk, like I understand people may not enjoy it, but I think it was by far the best woodworking podcast out there. And I would admit, I, I am going to miss him on the on the airways for sure. There was a yes. good conversation there. Yeah, they yeah. had a very good conversation. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, he inspired a lot of people. It will be missed. I agree. I've I've I haven't I haven't listened to it yet. It's not on iTunes yet. I think mm -hmm. it'll be out tomorrow. So I'll I'll, I'll give it a listen. Yeah. And with a tear in my eye. Totally. I mean, they're, they're part of the reason we're here. So exactly. Yep. One hundred percent. So. Oh yeah, he was the, the pioneer. One of the pioneers. Mm -hmm. it's funny go back and look at his old youtube uh his early youtube uh videos i think the, the mm -hmm. my favorite one is the look it up the, the king in his castle i think it is 
<laughs> he's down in the shop strutting around and his wife's calling him all of a sudden he's throwing sawdust all over himself and honey i'm busy you know like <laughs> yeah you know it's, it's so it's true just, yeah it's hysterical because at first when i first saw him i was like who is this fool on youtube you know when you youtube first came out and next thing you know i was like man this guy is actually pretty damn good and i mm-hmm. i respect him a lot for what he's done so, absolutely yep, yep. absolutely with his guilt and uh you know, you know, yeah, I think he, I think he, was, he even set it up for YouTube. I think he's like the leader. He's like what people are doing today, trying to catch up to Mark. And then, you know, now people are doing the subscriptions after Mark set up to school. And basically, Mark's always having to be on top of the next move because everyone just keeps jumping on that process that he's figured out a way to make a living and somehow become very successful at it, which is great. I think we're going to wrap it up. I think we're good. good. You got anything else, Mike? Pretty much it. Pretty much it. We covered a lot. We thank you. We appreciate you. Sure. Definitely thank you. How come you didn't ask me if I had anything else? Oh, God, you have anything else? (laughs) Maybe. maybe. No. Mike, it was great. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me on, guys. Good experience. it It was a pleasure talking to you. Keep that Instagram feed rolling along like it is. Yeah. We'll, we'll try. Really we'll try. It. We'll try. And uh, hey, others out there, you know, subscribe to uh, the Big Runs to Green podcast. It is. A, <laughs> it is. I can see it's a bit of work for these guys to put into it to put this on and uh, keep it going. Help keep it going. Thank you. So, where can we find you at? Yeah, where can we find you? Me on Instagram at mh woodworker. <laughs> That's right. Where can you be found this week? This week, you can find me on Instagram at period crafts with an S and men with an E. How about you, Guy? Guy? Guy, just guyswoodshop.com. He fell asleep. No, I'm still. Okay, just make sure. (laughs) It's still early. Oh, it is. That's right. Well, it depends on where you're at. I know. I've been up since 4 30. You can find me on Instagram as well at Justin underscore DePama. the Palmas, D-I-P-A-L-M-A. You can find all of us on Instagram at theatgpodcast.com. No, that's our that's our website. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at theatgpodcast. Awesome. Michael, thank, thank you. you very much. It was a pleasure thank talking to you. Thank yeah, you it guys. was. Keep up the good work. Keep thank climbing you. that hill. Keep inspiring us Keep all. Keep climbing that hill. Mm-hmm. Michael's climbing I'm that hill. I'm doing that. <laughs> Probably never heard that one before. No, I just, I just thought about it. I was like, man, he's climbing up that hill. Not in age, just in woodworking yeah. skill. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll end it right there.